0: Hello, fellow Redbirds. Welcome to Bird Fans Forever podcast number 48. Please follow us on our at Bird Fans Forever Twitter account to be notified of our latest podcast videos and participate in our fun polls. Also, go visit our website, www.birdfansforever.com, where you can find a list of our previous podcasts. Finally, go visit Bird Fans Forever on YouTube and slam dunk that subscribe button. YouTube has our archive of classic Redbird games that we've obtained from so many kind Redbird fans who shared their video libraries with us. We're still adding to our list of online games, so head over there to our YouTube site and find an old game to watch. Don't forget to support our Redbirds by buying the Empower the Nest beer from Keg Grove Brewing Company. Right here. (laughs) Bird fans forever members don't want to be the only supporters. We're excited for a guest today who is a two-year letter winner in softball and four-year letter winner in basketball. She holds a second all time single game scoring record with 41 points in one game. She was also a Bone Scholar and an academic All American and 1987 inductee to the ISU Athletics Percy Family Hall of Fame. Welcome to Bird Fans Forever, Red Bird for Life, Beth Landis Erisman.
1: Hello, and welcome to Bird Fans Forever podcast. Our guest today is Beth. Landis Ayersman, did I say it correctly, Beth? Yep,
2: you got it, James.
1: I don't always get you, she was my academic advisor when I was in college. Little did I know I am getting um, a ton, a ton of help on graduation and then also helping me with the learning disability department. Little did I know I'm sitting with the third all-time leading scorer at the time behind Pat McKenzie and Kathy Boswell, Uh, had no idea the clueless freshmen. So thank you for being on.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it, to talking to you.
1: This is awesome. So, first question, how'd you get to ISU?
2: Okay, so I went to basketball camp after my sophomore year and fell in love with the people there and the campus, and I knew that that's where I wanted to go to school. So, I kept going to camp, and <laughs> uh, eventually Jill had offered me a scholarship. And I was extremely excited to be able to continue on with basketball.
1: That is awesome. So we kind of talked off air. We do always do that. and Everybody knows that. Um, so Pat McKenzie is the first scholarship female. You've got to be inside the first five or ten scholarship females at ISU. Did it ever, did it ever, Dawn's probably a bad word to say it. Did it ever, do you ever get the realization that you're setting trailblazing for generation of women to come playing sports in in high school and college. I mean,
2: you know, I don't think we ever thought of it like that. We were just so thrilled to have the opportunity to even practice. I mean, let alone have games. It was just a dream come true. I used to, I remember, sit and watch the boys play baseball in the summer baseball programs in my hometown and just wait for them to get done with their their games so that we could play neighborhood ball. You know, it was right. just we just didn't have the opportunities until later on, and we were just so excited.
1: Wow, wow! All right, so we're gonna keep going. I named two of the big stars. So you played with two Olympians. So you want to talk about? All, let's just talk about all your teammates. I mean, you got a ton okay. of great ones. Let's start. Let's let's go. <laughs>
2: yeah, I. Went through at a great time. I great time. came in as a freshman and Charlotte Lewis was a senior. She was a, I believe, 76 Olympian and, of course, intimidated me quite a bit, but was as <laughs> gentle as could be. Absolutely loved my teammates and, and Charlotte was just a sweet, uh, sweet player, but very dominant on the basketball court. Pat McKenzie was a junior when I came in, so I was fortunate to get to play with her two years. She was a very talented athlete, went on to play some professional basketball. And then coming up uh, two years after I was in school, Kathy Boswell, who graduated early from high school, which I'm very thankful for, got to play with (laughs) Boz for two years. And so I was really surrounded by some phenomenal athletes, and it was just uh, the best time ever. ISU was, you know, the, the years I spent there were four of the best years of my life.
1: You want to, any other player, teammates you want to name? Or any other teammates oh. you can help us recruit for future?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a feisty point guard, Denise Norton, that um, she loved the game, and she was she went all out. Um, two transfers, when Melinda Fisher came from Eastern Illinois to join Jill in the coaching ranks at ISU, Vita Sargent, March Harris, they came along with her and – They were starters. They were actually my age, graduating class of 81. And so we just were able, we had to work through a couple of seasons. I think we were 10 and 17 my freshman year and 12 and 13 and 23 and 10 and then 28 and eight. So I don't remember all the games we won and lost, but for some reason I can remember those records. And, (laughs) you know, I, I remember the last game of my senior year, we lost to Tennessee, and it was, it was pretty devastating to end a career. I think every athlete feels that. I, I, you know, I feel bad for the athletes who can't wait until their senior year is over because I could have played forever, so I thought so at that time.
1: I'm right there with you, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's an emotional time. Especially when Absolutely. you were, you know, blessed to be and be able to put the you jersey on, right? I could have, if I could have got a COVID year, I mean, I, I asked Pete now if I could get an extra COVID year, right? I think, yeah. I don't think my body would take it, but I would do a COVID year if I could. Yeah. So, yeah. I definitely would
2: have done a COVID year. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Played so, five. Very cool. Yeah. So you went 51-18 those
3: last two years, and you mentioned, like, the first two years, you guys had losing records. What was the difference between the, the teams the first two years versus the last two years?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, we played extremely tough competition every year, and I think we lost some close ones those first two years. But I think, you know, with the addition of Boz, and then we had those transfer students and – we just seemed to gel on the court and just really played well off each other. Um, You know, everyone was supportive of each other and just loved playing the game. We just went all out because we loved it so much.
1: Now was the Tennessee game in the AIAW championship? That was that game, right?
2: Um, it was, we, well, We had gone to, at that time, yeah, it was still AIAW, I think that was the last year. And we went down to Texas, and we beat Texas, so we made it to the round of 16, and then we lost to Tennessee, and I'm not sure what they went on to do that year, but we had actually played them twice my senior year. We'd gone on a big road trip, We left on New Year's Day, and we were gone for like 11 or 12 days, and during that Ah. time... I forget how many of our players got sick, but they ended up, the, t- the coaches kind of quarantined some of the rooms. Our bus driver even got sick, so the opposing <laughs> team had to send somebody out in vans to take us for a shoot-around and for practice, and I think we ended up playing with about seven healthy healthy players for a couple of games on that road swing, but we, we all made it back safely and and all got well, so...
1: And that would have been, is that the Tennessee, would Pat Summit have been coaching that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Another legend in the game, yeah. Yeah, very cool. So you go to, you you beat Texas. How was it like beating Texas at Texas?
2: Oh, it was was exciting. I mean, I think we were the underdog, and um, we were just playing really well at the time, and uh, we're just thrilled to make it to that point, and and to move on to the next round. That's what you always want to do, move on to the next round.
1: Survive in advance. Survive yeah. in advance, yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So Beth, uh, John mentioned that you know, you're know you one of the first women to get a scholarship uh, at Illinois State. So after your first game, tell us about that. And did you think uh, that scholarship was worth it or not at that point?
2: Yeah, I wasn't too sure, to be honest. We, uh, We left, and we went to Oskaloosa, Iowa to play, I believe it was William Penn College, and there was a JV and then a varsity game. At that time, there were still, I think, three teams. Um, So both teams traveled there, and a snowstorm hit while we were playing. So on the way back, I we traveled in station wagons, of course, and I believe all the station wagons went in the ditches, and so the coaches not wanting to pay for the tow trucks, which we could see the tow trucks stationed right across the road waiting for us to call them, but they didn't want to pay for that, so we all had to get out while the coaches drove (laughs) the station wagons out of the ditches. So we got home really early in the morning after driving all night, and, yes, I I questioned whether or not I needed to play basketball for four years. (laughs) It was going to be like that.
3: And then off the air, John equates this... Your tragic oh. story, John. Tell about your tragic story.
1: Well, we could. The charter had a uh, young lady flight attendant that was pregnant, and so so he so didn't the get air the flyback back from Southern <laughs> Illinois. He the airplane, the charter plane, which is just like a station wagon, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get uh, we have to get a senior city citizen home bus that doesn't have enough seats for everybody to bus back from Carbondale to Bloomington. And, of course, halfway back, and we finally get the coaches to stop in Effingham so we can get our warm-up gear on underneath our suits, put our suits back on, to so, put our Letterman jackets back on. And the-
3: John's tragic story is riding the bus. Now, how many times did you have to ride a bus... And a women's basketball. A well, we year.
2: would have been glad to ride a bus. We had to ride, <laughs> had to ride in the station wagon. <laughs> a, bus was, a bus was a luxury. We did to take the bus.
1: <laughs> well, then you should tell the story about how the bus you did get to take, you end up getting sick on. So that's another good story. So let's hear about you getting sick, the leaving the New Year's Eve and going on that trip.
2: Oh, yeah. We... We took a bus to, uh, we went to Northern Kentucky, we played at somewhere in South Carolina, we played at Tennessee, played at North Carolina State, I believe, and we were gone 11 days left on New Year's Day, and I don't know what kind of a bug most of the gals caught, but it was bad. I, I lucked out. I didn't, I did not get sick, but the coaches put all the sickies in one room and went around with, uh, <laughs> Kathy Schneed went around, around with like, medicine. Everybody had their own spoon and their own bottle of medicine and was trying to pump them full of stuff to get them better. The bus driver got sick. I think his name was Norm, ended up in the hospital. And so the opposing team sent vans out to take us to shoot around. Although uh, we only had about seven of us that could shoot because we were the only ones who weren't sick. So yeah, that was that was quite a trip. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Um, Luckily so, we won most of those games that are on the road, uh, even
3: <laughs> though everyone was or there were a lot of six with sick players. So so Coach Jill uh, she put all the protocols in for COVID. They they contacted her? Because she was segregating all you guys? No?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah I yeah.
3: guess so. <laughs> she was Please. segregating forty years ahead of COVID. Forty years ahead of COVID. So uh,
1: Yeah, forty years. Yeah.
3: So we talk about basketball, but you just happen to play another sport at, at ISU as well.
2: I I did play softball for three years. Uh, Jill and Linda were the coaches until Margie Wright and Melinda Fisher came from Eastern, and then they took over the softball program. And I, um, it, it was it was interesting. I was a pitcher, sort of. Um, I know our our best pitcher. They were saving her for the the nightcap, and so I don't know what happened to the probably the second, third, and fourth pitchers. But Jill had to throw me into pitch, and it was it was getting so bad. She had to say, "Hey, just throw it slow pitch and let them hit it." Which <laughs> I think she sacrificed that game for the nightcap. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't play softball my senior year because. They allowed me to split my student teaching around basketball. So I could student teach six weeks of elementary in the fall and then nine weeks of high school in the spring. And then I could graduate um, within the four years.
3: So, so, so basketball cool. start was from when to when during the season? And, and then softball, you immediately just went right into softball?
2: Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, so or basketball. I'm not sure when we could officially start practice. We were supposed to be running on our own. Actually, my my freshman year, I didn't really run a lot. Uh, preseason at home, I didn't really know how to train, and we had to do 15. Had, in 15 minutes, we had to run two miles. Well, um, some of us couldn't do that, and so we had to keep coming back every week and doing that. And getting timed on sundays until we could make our our time which i'm not sure i ever made it that freshman year well the next year there was like a rule if you if you couldn't make it you weren't going to be playing well i trained over the summer i i ran i I actually would dribble a basketball around the block because i really saw no reason to just run to be running i had to be doing something so i dribble around the block and we uh when we did the timing for it, and at that time there was still more than one team. So you had not just, you know, the 15 that were on the varsity, you had, you know, 35, 40 kids trying out for the other team. So we were, we were running these, this two miles in Horton Fieldhouse because it was bad weather outside. And they had some curtains that dropped down on the inside of that indoor track. Well, the coaches found out that some some players cut across and were, you know, we're cutting corners. And I did not. I ran the entire two miles. And when they found <laughs> out that that happened, they made us all run it again. And I told Jill I would never forgive her, that, forgive her for that because I worked so hard to make that time and then I had to had to run it again. So that's always a fond memory too. <laughs>
3: So Jill, we talked yeah. about uh, wow. You, you guys had a great senior year. You, you mentioned you were twenty-eight and eight, but there's some other things that happened that year that pretty memorable too. So l- let's talk about. Uh, you had a, a personally a, a great game, John. You might rattle off some of those stats she had in that game at James Madison. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah. I had to look this. I had to Google and go really deep in this. She is. Beth scored forty-one points. She went. Uh, 20 for 24 from the floor, which is 95.4%. And then she went one for two from the free throw line. <laughs> she shot 50% from the free throw line. She told me off air she needs a hand in her face to make the shot. So, I mean, that's not how free throws has ever worked according to my rule book. But, you know, those of us that flew everywhere were kind of spoiled compared to what you had. So, um, so let's yeah, talk that- about... James Madison in 41 points, which today stands as still the second all-time And I don't know who scored 42, but somebody's got 42 in a game, so they just nudged out for number one.
2: Yeah. I, you know, it was one of those games where I, you just were, I don't know, in the zone or something. I probably could have had my eyes shut and just thrown it up there and it was falling in, but... Um, yeah, years later, I always tease Jill like, "Why didn't she let me play in the second half?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it, it was it, it was a fun game. I mean, it was uh, you know I loved shooting. That was my favorite part of the game, and so um, it was just a fun experience.
1: So was James Madison at home?
2: It was at home. yeah.
1: At home in in Horton Fieldhouse
2: in Horton Fieldhouse. Okay, yeah.
1: good, good, good. I know because Jill explained that there was a cutover somewhere from McCormick over to Horton for the ladies, right, the men came over when it opened in 63 and the ladies came over somewhere in the 70s. I don't know when that actually happened though.
2: Yeah, I, we always played our games in Horton. We sometimes practiced in McCormick, but yeah. mostly we practiced practice like in the North Gym and then we the had all the Gym. games yeah. in Horton. We shared our locker room with men's track and field right there off of the indoor track. Okay. Um, well, we, did, we didn't have a locker room for just a regular locker room. We, sh- we had that locker room during games where you go at halftime, or we'd right. change before the game. I don't think it had a door on the bathroom, but, you know, whatever. it did not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's. that's- So that was
1: your was that your game locker room or was that your permanent locker room?
2: No, we never had a permanent locker room. Really, just just the game locker room. Yeah, we always just went dressed for practice and uh, really,
3: really, wow. So wow. So just you mentioned uh, Beth that uh, there's a certain kidnapping incident that happened your senior year.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I think it was kind of like, you know how they do initiation sometimes for freshmen. I don't know why they waited till I was a senior, but we were actually, <laughs> I think they were just picking on me. I don't know. We were over in uh, Kathy Boslow's room, and we were just, it was just like a weekday, weeknight, and, um, and it's a music playing. And I guess it was a cue for when that song, Another One Bites the Dust, came on. They all, like, got up, and they, like, started tying Belts around me to, you know, to strap me and um, and I don't remember how they did that, but they somehow put a hot dog on top of my head, so that they were hoping that Jill's dog, when they threw me out on her lawn, that her dog would come and eat that hot dog. (laughs) Anyway, they they took off. Jill came out and um, oh, she she was a little ticked at them, and she just started cutting through with. They had good belts that they had used to tie me up. She didn't care. She just cut right through them, <laughs> and we, we went off we went off chasing them. And I don't even remember if we ever caught them or not, but that was, uh, you know, it was actually kind of fun when I think about it now, but back then, I'm like, what in the world is going on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then you got to tell the story you said told us off air about how biscuits are bad for the 70s lady redbirds to be eating biscuits and playing basketball
2: oh yeah very bad i i don't know if it was my junior or senior year i think it was maybe junior year we went to university of dayton and we stopped at a bob evans beforehand and um i think boz was the one that probably won the prize for eating the most biscuits but (laughs) we, we got to that court and it was like slow motion couldn't move and it was it was really bad we lost we should not have lost to that team but we did and i don't think we ever had another biscuit in anybody's entire career so,
3: so, so beth um you know we talked about in eighty eighty one, you guys beat texas right yes and, and then you played one of the the iconic teams with one of the iconic coaches tennessee But what that team should go down to, and everyone at Illinois State should be the most proud of, is you guys beat U of I not once, (laughs) not twice. You beat them three times that season. I don't know if you remember that, but you went to Champaign first. You beat them 84-81. You came back, beat them at at normal. Okay, So you played them twice during the regular season. And then you just, you shellacked them. In, in the the regional, the first game, you've beaten by twenty eight points. The men's oh, team wow. hasn't I... beat U of I once, and you guys beat <laughs> them three times. Never, three good times time in one season.
2: <laughs> that um, yeah, to me I, is I, awesome. I Did remember that? <laughs> <laughs> it was always good to beat U of I. I, I remember uh, my freshman year, we went to uh, Huff Gymnasium and and We were playing U of I and I remember my teammates told me that, oh, they had this really great pizza place. It's called Garcia's. And we always eat there when we go to U of I. It was before Normal and Bloomington, before we had Garcia's. Well, we lost. And so there was no eating at Garcia's after the game. We came straight back and I think we had to eat in town then in in Normal when we got back. So, uh, yeah, we never liked losing to U of I. Um, but
3: yeah, I didn't realize we had beaten them three times my senior year. Yeah. Three times. That's just
1: wow. incredible. That is awesome. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, um, like I said earlier, uh, when I started, you were my academic advisor. Um, I can never thank you enough, Sonny and Gerard and Randy. We all got degrees and you were a big part of that. Uh, I was telling these guys, in Bethel. Uh, I don't think she remembers, she kind of does, but I'm horribly dyslexic. Um, read and write at about a third, fourth grade level. And she was in there, along with the basketball office, battling to try to get me services, because in the day, you know, they were, it was called learning disability, right? Um, so, I mean, what a horrible name, but that's what we were called. We were called LD, learning disability kids and so um just being able to get tests read to me and you know not be punished for spelling mistakes these guys see how badly my spelling is it i mean i might be insulting every third grader in the nation when i say write and spell at a third grade level so thank you from gerard and Sonny and randy and my class thank you for that college education and helping make sure we get through we can never Never tell you enough of that. So, but you said you love the job, so let's hear what was it like being an athletic advisor, you know, and tell us how you got, became an athletic advisor.
2: Okay, well, it, it was a dream job. And what happened was I had been coaching and teaching for three years and decided that coaching wasn't near as much fun for me as playing. And I missed, you know, being on the college campus. And so I decided I was going to go back to school. And I thought, I'm going to go into computers because that was all the rage and that's where, you know, all the big jobs were and so I end up in this intro class, the computers, and just by chance there was a gal who I had had in class my first year of teaching at mid county high school and I leaned over to her and I was like, Hey, how do you turn this thing on? And the instructor's going on and on and on, and I'm like, okay i got to get out of here because it's the first day and I'm lost in the first two minutes of class. So I went and talked to Jill, and she was like, well, why don't you go into counseling and then you can be our advisor? And I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe, that sounds pretty good. So went and checked out the program, loved the Counselor Ed program. They had different sequences. You could do counseling in higher education, school counseling, or human services counseling. So i was able to fit in both the higher education and the school counseling which ended up i was at isu um, so higher ed for 10 years and was a stay-at-home mom for five years And when i went back to work i was school counselor in the district in you know and where my kids were going to school so it ended up being an ideal um master's degree program for me i absolutely loved working with the athletes, I I did the academic advising for, I had a lot of the sports, I think all of them except football and volleyball, there was another advisor for that, but then I did with men's and women's basketball, they called it targeting at that time, I don't know what it is now, but it wasn't targeting. like, um, yeah, it was called targeting, it wasn't, I wasn't really tutoring, I was meeting on a weekly basis with um, the gals and the guys to just kind of Say, Absolutely. hey, what you got going on this week? Um, you know, work on time management. We do, like, fill out yep. sheets, like, you know, when you can do study time. Because they, had, they were so busy with basketball and they're watching film and doing weights and just everything that had to be done. So it was just, it really was a dream job for me. And I probably would have never left there except I wanted to stay at home with my kids. And then... When I got into the school counseling position, I loved that also. So it ended up being a you know, wonderful career for me.
1: Yeah, and, and she should have gotten hazard pay because she was meeting with me weekly for five years, probably thinking, this <laughs> I I, you actually stopped. I only met with you monthly my senior year because I had technically graduated during the summer. So I was just taking classes, but you still kept meeting with me. Um, Bender had it. I think it was every other week or every monthly um, because of those classes. As long as I got grades that weren't Fs, I was in good shape. So,
2: yeah, yeah, you, yeah It was it was a great job.
3: Yeah. Perfect, so love did, it. You did it for ten years. But what was the most? I mean, it had to be like really rewarding, right? But it had to have its challenges too. What was some of the challenging parts of it?
2: Um, I think that the challenge was when you'd see maybe students who were working really hard and they they weren't succeeding, you know, like you would have students who went on probation, or if they went on probation a second time, or they were ineligible, or, you know, I mean, it was just, it was just hard to watch because they were just so overwhelmed, Um, but most of them were able to work through all that and ended up being very successful so it was very rewarding to see that yeah
1: yeah yeah and i'm one of them right i went on academic probation twice my career um
2: a lot lot of student athletes did it was a it was a big adjustment for coming from high school and then coming to division one program where you're you really don't have much time for yourself and so it it takes a Good while to adjust.
1: Okay, Beth. So here's where we do it. You know, Brooks, uh, my oldest is a lawyer, and we call this closing. So what's your closing? Oh
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I am very thankful to be a part of the Redbird family. It is so near and dear to me. I, I really do think of it as a family, and I love going back for the reunions and going to games and seeing teammates and coaches and I love my experience there I I'd do it all over again if I could so um going back 40 you know, some years uh it, it was it was the best it was just an awesome experience and I can't say enough good things about the opportunities Jill gave me and you know being with those teammates it, it was just an awesome experience
1: well, Beth, so thank, thank, you, you for, thank
2: you for. Oh, go ahead. Go, Beth. So say thank you for having me on. I enjoyed talking to you guys and uh, made me reminisce a lot about about those years that I at ISU.
1: Good, good, love it. Thank you for being my academic advisor and putting up with me. Um, and with pleasure. that, this is Bird Fans Forever podcast episode number forty-eight with Beth Landis Ayersman.
2: Close. You got it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I gotta to apologize to Mary Compton. I got I said Crompton, Compton, 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 and then I called her. Yeah. So I've made mistakes along my way. I try and this is again, like I said, not professional. So but with that, that is episode forty eight. John, take us out. Yes!
2: All right.